0: Hi you guys and welcome back to the podcast. So we are the Carwells. I'm Emily and I'm Sarah and we are as you know Airbnb interior designers and investors. <laughs> All right, everyone, welcome back to Catch Up with the Carwells. Uh, Today we have a very special guest. I feel like I say that every single week, but this week it's an extra special guest. Um, We have John Lewis, a.k.a. the Athletic CEO, on all socials with us today. Welcome, John.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Um, So for our listeners, if you are unfamiliar with John, I'm going to let him give his little two-minute elevator pitch about who he is and what he does in just a second. But if you have been consuming our social media this year at all in any capacity, you likely know who John is. He has single-handedly helped us 10x our business this year on the mentorship side and connect with so many of you. Um, So he has been a key player for us this year. So we are excited to pick his brain today and give you guys a little bit of a deeper dive on John. But John, for our listeners, why don't you fill them in on who you are, what you do, what your specialty is, so you can they can familiarize themselves with you as well.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It feels like a long time coming for this to happen. Uh, we've been doing this for a while now. We're finally getting a chance to sit down and talk about it all, so I'm super excited to see what comes out of this talk. But I'm John. Like they said, I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, born and raised. I always joke where the crazy people are from, um, and that's such a huge part of my story because being from New Orleans, we, we always joke that you either make it out one of two ways. It's either sports or entertainment. So you either want to be Beyonce or Lil Wayne or you want to play athletics. And that's the only two ways you really know how to quote unquote make it out. I, was, I didn't even know about the world of business until I was like 21 years old. I know that sounds crazy to people, but I didn't even understand the concept of you could work for yourself and that would turn into money. And so my whole life I played and I wanted to play in the NBA, play basketball. And when that dream fell short, I found myself completely lost in life. Like, okay, what the heck do I do now? Because I knew I didn't want to be a W-2 employee, but I didn't know anything but sports. And so that was when my mentor came into my life. And he was a guy that was making like 100000 a week in the world of business, which once again blew my little Southern mind. I'm like, wait, you do what? And you don't play football on Sundays? Like, you have to show me what you do. And this was a moment that really changed the course of my life because he said, I'll teach you but his big thing was people that pay, pay attention. So he's like, I don't personally need your money, but you need to pay me something so that you can be committed. And I was like, okay, never heard that before, but like, what will it be? And he's like, well, it's gonna cost about $5,000. And me at the time, I was a dead broke college kid, ramen noodles, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So like $5,000 was more than everything. But for some reason, something clicked and I knew I couldn't afford not to get around this guy and so i sold my shoes i sold my playstation i sold my clothes my roommate thought i was moving out he's like bro where are you going i was like nowhere i'm just starting a business he's like you're nuts you're crazy um but that moment changed my life forever not just because of the knowledge that i got from that mentorship but because of the decision to as sarah likes to say bet on myself and that moment i burned all of my bridges i bet fully on myself and it was either succeed or fail but there was nowhere in between And then 10 years later, now it's helped me to build two companies to the seven-figure mark. But there's no way i do that, number one, without my mentor in that moment making me decide and without the information he gave me past there. So that's the quick version of my story. There's lots of craziness in between, but um, that's the cliff notes version.
2: (laughs) Oh, Oh, okay. I saw Emily <laughs> move and I was like, oh, don't talk. Anymore, I know this is, this is a habit of ours where Sarah, I'll go to talk and then Sarah starts talking. John knows this though, at this point. So does everybody <laughs> on the podcast, but no, yeah, I think that that's amazing. I, we've obviously heard your story, but I think your story is really impactful for a lot of people to hear. And so it's one of my favorite parts, actually, when we're on our sales calls, when you tell your story, because like. I mean, it took convincing for even us to want to get into mentorship and understand the value behind it. So I think that when you tell your story, it just like really puts it into perspective for people. So I think that that's really cool. But before we get into the list of questions that I have for you, you are obviously in the world of entrepreneurship and you're newly into the world of short-term rentals. So you have a horror story that's more entrepreneurship
1: related. I do. Yeah. Um, Full disclosure, they put me on the spot with this one. They're like, by the way, tell a horror story. <laughs> so, uh, but I did think of one for you guys. And I guess it depends on if you count this as a horror story or not. But I think this is pretty funny because you don't think this would ever happen. So um, one of my packages in the past would be $25,000. It was the only package I had for my company. That's all you could pay to work with me. And I had this guy, went through our whole sales process. He signed up for that package. He wired us $25,000 and then he literally disappeared the next day. And me and my team for months, we're trying to find this guy trying to reach out to this guy. Like, Hey bro, you just wired us $25,000. We have services. We want to give them to you. Like, where did you go? Like <laughs> did something horrible happen? Are you alive? Like we see him posting we're like, all right, great. He's alive. Like where'd you go? And like literally for a year, This guy did not talk to us, did not get in contact, nothing. Just wired us 25K and completely ghosted us. And then a year later, he popped up and he was like, by the way, is it still possible to get those services I paid for like a year ago? <laughs> and we were like, absolutely, we'd love to give you the services. Like you paid twenty five k and you ghosted us. So, yeah, absolutely, we'd love to give you st- that service. So I don't know if that's a horror story, but just know that in that time, we were very, very confused as to how someone could wire us $25,000 and then disappear. Um, so... I- don't know if it's horror, but it's hilarious. That's, that's <laughs> wild.
0: That's yeah. a lesson on the fact
2: that money is all around you.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, if I wire still on 25k, I would not be disappearing.
2: <laughs> oh, no, not at all. That is wild. You got too much money if you can just like get rid of 25k and be like, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll call you in a year. Like, what? <laughs> oh, no, that's
1: funny.
0: <laughs> i would have ghosted back after about three months of it i would have been like can't find me either <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no oh, <laughs> kind of kidding kind of kidding i wouldn't
2: let i don't worry guys i wouldn't let sarah ghost you if you sent us 25
1: that's <laughs> <laughs> actually what would happen literally <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: someone's trying to play hard to get with me watch this <laughs> sarah's too competitive for that oh that's so funny oh, that's wild but <laughs> okay okay so, uh- I was going to get into questions. (laughs) All
0: right, you kick off questions first. And of course, I'll spitball behind you. As always,
2: (laughs) this is why I have to write my questions down. And Sarah will just make them up as she goes. (laughs) Um, But so obviously, we talked about mentorship. And we talked about how it took a little bit of convincing to get us to want to offer mentorship. And I think a lot of the mindset around it is it's like, woo woo, like, oh, yeah, mentorship is whatever. It's not really going to get you anywhere. It's just kind of fake, right? Like, there's a lot of mindset around mentorship to think that way but you obviously have had success we've now seen a lot of success in it so why did you decide to instead of just getting mentors yourself why did you decide to build an entire business around mentorship
1: i think i saw the impact that that had on my journey going back to that 19 year old version of myself i just know without a shadow of a doubt that if it wasn't for that mentor There was just no way possible like half of the kids i went to school with middle school with are literally dead or in jail it's not figuratively it's literal um so when i look at that path of like that's who i would be surrounded with and this one person steps into your life and changes everything it's like for me it wasn't just okay cool my life has changed it was like how do i change other people's life now and i think the best way to do that is to empower you guys, and people like you to step into their life and change their life forever. Sure, I could try to one by one change everybody's life by myself, but I think the bigger impact comes from empowering people like you to go out and impact the masses. Now we're impacting thousands and tens of thousands and hopefully one day hundreds of thousands, and for me, that was always my mission, and the reason I chose real estate investors is because I believe it's the best way for the average person to build wealth. So you don't have to be Steve Jobs, you don't have to be Elon Musk, you can be an average person and still step in, learn this skill set, and still build wealth for yourself. And so that's why I became so passionate about not just offering mentorship, but partnering with real estate investors like yourself who've had some success to give back to other people.
0: Well, and that has been incredibly impactful in our lives, both from us mentoring other people, and of course us hiring you as our first mentor. Um, Yesterday, I was on another call eyeing another form of mentorship as we start dabbling into boutique hotels and unique stays and all of this stuff. Um, And I went through that entire process again with, you know, sitting online with a salesperson who is like pitching this mentorship. and, um, And there's such a stark difference for me now, having worked with you and having offered mentorship on that sales process of kind of casting a net to see who is interested in something that you're going to offer and the thing that i think we got so like incredibly lucky honestly on on working with you from the get-go is how the sales process doesn't feel Mm salesy at all Mm -hmm. right and there is no hard close there is no you know i'm gonna be upset if you say no to this there is no like tension on the call in my opinion at all when we you know, cast this net or extend this line of, you know, welcoming people into offering a mentorship with us. So can you talk through like where you learned that from, how you got to that point of understanding really how to sell people on mentorship without it feeling salesy?
1: Mm-hmm. Sucking for a long time is a short answer. <laughs> I <It laughs> sucked right. for about four years before I got it right, um, right, quote unquote. But I think the big thing comes down to, there's a few factors, actually. One factor is seeing what happens on the back end when you do hard sell somebody, Um, especially when it comes to mentorship. It's not like any other product. You are developing a relationship with someone and half of their success in the program comes down to the relationship and the way that that relationship started. And so if our relationship kicked off with me swindling you or pressuring you or tricking you into buying something, the chances of me actually helping you to reach your goal and the chances of you trusting me once you figure out it's not what you want it are very, very slim. And so I would rather risk losing the sale with being truthful, with being honest, with like ha- truly having that conversation and getting to know you, than tricking you into something and you almost having a hundred percent chance of failing on the back end of that. And so part of that was realizing the full customer journey and not just focus on making the sale. But the funny thing is that when I stopped focused on focusing on making the sale, I started making more sales <laughs> because people could feel that it was coming from a true authentic place. People could feel they weren't there just to be sold and that I truly cared about their success or failure. And so for me, it kind of worked opposite to be honest. I was like, okay, I don't want any more of these type of clients that come from tricking people or hard closing people. And then by default, like my percentages start to go up on the front end. And so then I was like, OK, the true route to selling isn't selling. And I actually got this from one of my acting coaches who you guys got the chance to meet. His name's Michael Papa John. Um, he's killed Uncle Ben in Spider-Man. He's Adam Sandler Stunt and Double and Waterboy. Megan Fox's dad in Transformers and so on and so on. Um, But I'm not an actor but I've done a little bit in that world of acting and I was reading a script for a movie that I was auditioning for and I was struggling heavily and as I'm reading the script Papa John's like what's the problem I'm like I can't remember the words he's like what do you need to remember the words for no one knows what you're supposed to say they just want you to be the character so just focus on being the character forget about remembering the words. I think in sales, a lot of times we're taught to remember this script and remember this one liner or this two liner. Like we go in focused on that instead of focusing on just being the character, like being the person that the person on the other side of that camera needs. And so when you put all of your intention and your focus on that, you're going to be a lot better at sales.
2: Yeah. I think Sarah and I have a very interesting perspective because both of our husbands are salesmen, right? And so Ethan sells life insurance and um, medical insurance, things like that. And then my husband sells metalworking fluids. So it's a very different kind of sales, but they both got to hear all of our calls, right? They both work from home. So they're sitting behind the computer. And I remember Tyler specifically, we got off of a call one time and he was like, oh my gosh, John just speaks to these people really well. He was like, you can tell that he's asking questions because he genuinely cares about the answer. And it's like, we don't even really talk about what were the program is or anything else until the end, we're actually just getting to know people. And I noticed that Tyler specifically was pointing those things out. And he approaches his sales a little bit differently from listening to the calls that we've had. And so even though his is a little more of like a technical sales process, right? Like he's not getting to know these people in the same way we are, but he was like super impressed with it. And so he, I just think that that's amazing that like a salesman is listening to another salesman. He's like, Oh my gosh, John's so great at what he does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love yeah.
0: Well, and in all honesty, I mean, you know, like sales is not mine and Emily's forte, right? Like we are like boots on the ground, real estate girls. And then like Instagram girlies, like sales is not part of like our umbrella, but being on those sales calls and I don't even want to call them sales calls because they're like discovery calls. They're not salesy whatsoever. They feel like therapy. Like like truly, it's like we have been on so many calls where I have ended up crying with the other person on the other end of the call because they're like pouring their heart out about what they want real estate to do for their lives and how they feel like this is the perfect path for them. And it's just, it's a moment where Emily and I get to like actually see the result of what we put online for so long without actually seeing the person, right? Like there are comments that people will leave and like voice memos and DMS and all this stuff that we interact with our community on a daily basis, but it's never been via zoom where I actually get to hear the impact that it's having. And then beyond that, when we host this in-person graduation, actually getting to meet these people who have completely changed the trajectory of their life because of, this information we're putting out on social media, like the whole ecosystem of mentorship and of this thing that we've been on this year with you has just been such a 180 in my head versus what I thought it was going to be at the beginning when I kept saying like, no, we don't want to do this. We're not interested in it. Um, So if you're listening to this and you're, you've been curious about this mentorship side of things and you're worried about getting on a call with us, just know that like, We don't care if you say yes or no, it is truly going to be a conversation about you getting to like, talk through living out this dream that you think is possible through real estate. And I think that that's honestly just magic, like the calls have been magic.
1: (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No,
2: no, you go. You you had something to say. Go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say, like, I was going to talk a little bit about why the sales process has changed. I'm a big economics fan, didn't enjoy too much in business school. Economics was one of the few things that I did enjoy because it's the history of things and like why certain things occur. History always repeats itself. History also always has patterns. And so if you think about it from that perspective, back in the day when our parents were being sold, grandparents probably at this point were being sold... It was due to lack of information. So think about it. The person would come to their door with a catalog. They'd have certain things in that catalog. It's like you either buy it because I'm here or you don't, but you don't go somewhere else and find it. They weren't going on Amazon and being like, no, get out of here, catalog guy. Like I can order this online and it's going to come to my door. And so that created a natural sense of scarcity and urgency. It was like you either buy from me or you don't. It's almost like the salesperson was in charge, right? And so when it comes to pushy sales, the salesperson could afford to be pushy. It's like, no, I'm not coming back for a week. Like, buy now. Do you want it or not? And like that carried over. That type of sales training has persisted past that time, but times have changed. People have everything at their fingertips now. And so now selling is a lot less about accessibility and a lot more about connection. And a lot of salespeople haven't made that jump. They still sell based off of the old sales tactics, but are not in the old sales environment anymore. And so back then, you could get away with that. But in this day and age, it's all about connection. And people can truly tell if you care about them as individuals or if you're just trying to sell something. And guess what, buddy? You're not the only catalog on the block anymore. <laughs> so you can't afford to do that anymore. Um, so I think that's the gap as well that a lot of people have not realized or crossed yet.
2: Yeah. I like that you say that people can tell if people care when they're going through the sales process, because I think it's just automatically assumed that every single person that we take a call from or anybody who's in like your program for mentorship, any person that they take a call from, they're immediately trying to sell into their program. And that's just not the case. If we don't feel like, or even if you get the vibe that you don't feel that they're going to be getting value from this, although we want them to leave the call with some value. But if they're not actually going to get value from the program, we may suggest somebody else's program or some some other path for them, because I think it comes from a truly like heart-centered place, as opposed to, oh, well, there's no more spots left, so you have to get in, even if you're going to get nothing out of it. Right. Yeah,
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah,
0: that's been something that I know, you know, for our listeners who have watched us launch this mentorship this year, one of my first conversations with John on the phone was the fact that I did not want to get stuck in a room teaching people who were not aligned with Emily and I, right? Like, I grew up with teachers for parents, and my parents would constantly come home and complain, especially my mom, who was a high school teacher, and my dad, who's a collegiate level teacher you know, in high school, like the students are there and they have to be there. And so they're not excited about the thing that they're learning, or they're only excited about one subject or whatever. And so I would watch how exhausted my mom would get pouring her heart into people that weren't aligned with whatever she was pouring her heart out for. And my dad didn't have that same struggle because people were in the room that wanted to be in the room that wanted to change their life. And so I think I had this perception in my head that there was going to be so many people that you know, we're tuning into the successes of Airbnb because like the videos that go viral on TikTok and Instagram, it's always the ones that are super sexy, right? It's always like the, I had a $15,000 month or I'm traveling full time and my income is still, you know, hitting the bank account or whatever. Like those are the ones that go viral. And then all of these like nitty gritty, like videos of us actually doing the work and actually being stressed out and actually being stuck in this mess that we created don't. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, the people who are going to reach out are going to have this perception that is not actually the reality of putting B&Bs together. And John really pushed me on that. He was like, Sarah, I think you're wrong. I think people like the people who are going to reach out have seen both. Like, don't think that the people that are reaching out are only the videos that have gone viral. And we were floored with that. Like Emily and I both were just like, holy cow, the stories that you guys told us on these one-on-one calls were so aligned with how Emily and I's journey has been, you know, and it's like, we're looking at ourselves two years ago, three years ago, and looking at like having such a clear vision and how this can impact your life. And so I think that, you know, that has been another portion of this that has been so surprising on how social media really allows your people to find you. Yeah. Um, and I would say the same thing with like us finding you, right? It's like, we had never met in person. I wasn't sold on you a hundred percent yet. And then I met you in person and I was like, Oh, <laughs> this is my dude. Like, <laughs> yes, like, I get along with this guy instantly. Um, and so I just think that that's such a cool component of it as well. That just like completely knocked my socks off.
1: Yeah. I think connection is everything. And I, and you're right. It is crazy. I've done a lot of different mentorships now with a good bit of people and it's crazy how they always attract their people. Like no matter what, when you do it the right way, when you're authentically yourself, you start to attract people that resonate with you. And it's crazy cuz like you said there's this huge pool of all the social media and a uh, mil- millions of people out there, right? But then the few people find their way to you and that's still to this day the biggest like craziest phenomena of this whole thing. I can't explain it, but it just happens. So.
0: (laughs) So I have another question for you before Emily asks another question. I don't think this one's on the list, but I'm curious. (laughs) Um, We discovered you or we really were pushed over the edge with you because you came highly recommended um, from our friend, Eric, who had hired you in a different capacity and, You know, and so from our perspective, even before you found us, you were mentoring people who were maybe involved in real estate, but not involved in short term rentals specifically. And then you had this shift where all of a sudden you started targeting people who were in short term rentals. Um, How did that happen for you? Like, when you think about the people that you were targeting, mentoring, what goes into that process? Like, how do you decide what type of person you want to kind of plug in with and, and try and help out?
1: It's a great question. And there's a lot of talk behind the scenes in our company about the intentionality of like doubling down on the short-term rental world. I think prior to that, honestly, I was not exposed at all to the short-term rental world. Everybody had taken up to that point were multifamily fix and flip wholesalers, long-term renters, like your traditional routes of real estate that a lot of people probably know a lot about. But when I ran across you guys and I saw the numbers that you were doing in the short-term rental world, basically like if I'm gonna sell something, I have to believe in it 100, 1000, 10,000% or else I'm gonna suck. I'm either the best salesperson ever or the worst. And so when I come across you guys in the short-term rental world and you're doing like five times, six times, seven times the numbers of the people over here on long-term rentals, I was immediately like, how can I continue to push, like get into the long-term rental world when these girls are over here, like five, six, seven Xing what people are doing over here in the short term rental world. And so that was one huge factor for me about why I had to pivot to short term rentals because it's like what I believe in the most right now. There's really only three things that I still like right now feel like I would take on short term rentals for the average person, multifamily for someone just sitting on a boatload of money that can deploy huge chunks of money. And then wholesaling for someone that's just dead broke, unwilling to raise capital, wants to find another way to make money. Um, So, but outside of that, like after meeting you guys, I was like, I can't ethically pitch long-term rentals now because like you make way more money doing short-term rentals. So that was a big part of it. And then the other side of it, honestly, was the type of people I get to work with in the short-term rental space. Um, In multifamily and some of the other segments, the owners are really detached from what they do um yes they run a business but they're not really in their business uh they want to be as hands off as possible and that kind of translates over into working with me as well sure they want to do it but they don't want to be in their business at all they want to be super detached and with you guys like since you are involved in what you do since you are the person furnishing the place and like doing the renovations sometimes and like dealing with people, you know what it's like to be in your business. And that translated over to working with me as well. So instead of it just being like, here's some money, get me results. It was like, here's some money, let's work together. And I love that feeling a lot better than the prior feeling. Mm-hmm. So those are the two main reasons. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's incredible. Yeah, and I have a quick question that's kind of around the mindset of mentorship. And we're going a little bit backwards in the conversation, but I've heard a lot of people ask you this question. So I want you to answer it for the audience. Um, when somebody gets on the call because of the mindset around mentorship, I mean, you like convinced us that mentorship was valuable, but we still get people that go- come on these calls that are like, I don't believe in mentorship, all these things. How do you approach people who are reaching out for help, but still think that mentorship isn't valuable?
1: I think the first buying mentorship for the first time for most people is the hardest thing. And I will say it is I acknowledge that it is a lot different now than when I looked for mentorship, Um, which like there's always like until you don't have it. It's like you don't realize the value of it type of deal. And for me, I didn't have it 10 years ago. And so I don't know. That doesn't seem like a super long time ago, but I was actively searching for someone to help me. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. I remember going and Googling like mentors and people to help me and all I could find was wholesalers, like legit. Like I would Google people. I'd call them they'd be like, Oh, do you want to sell your house? I'm like, no, I want somebody to help me do this thing. Like I just read rich dad, poor dad. I want some help on what to do next because I'm an athlete. So I come from the sports world. So the logical thing for me was like, all right, I want to do this. Let me find a coach. Like That was the logical next step. But like there were no coaches out there. And I was like, you mean to tell me there's no one out here willing to help me? And this is just 10 short years ago. And so for me, when I found a mentor, he was like, once again, $5,000. Yes, it was a ton of money, but never once in my mind did I question, okay, is a mentor worth it? Because I knew I had just searched for people that hopefully could help me and I couldn't find anybody. And so I think that's a huge part of it too. Like now there's mentors everywhere, right? And so now it's more, it's not like, can I find a mentor or someone willing to help me? It's like, how do I pick the right person? And I think that's a lot of people struggle right now is like, okay, there's a lot of people out there, but who's legit, who's actually there to help me. So I do resonate with, I don't wanna like skip over that point and be like, you're stupid for questioning anything. But at the same time, the only way you're going to actually get to your goals in life quickly while you're still here, alive, in good health and can enjoy it is from cheating off of somebody else, which is the opposite of what school tells us. And this is why I feel so many people struggle with this concept because in school, if you cheat off a smart person, you fail. In school, if you cheat off of the creative person, copy their paper, it's copyright infringement. But in the world of business and entrepreneurship, Cheating is literally the secret to success. And so the way that my mentor taught it to me, it's like he's buying back his time. He's always looking for strategic ways to buy his hours back. So here's Sarah and Emily. They put five years into this. They've been in the trenches. They've logged all these hours. You can do one of two things. You can spend five years just like them, all the heartaches, all the headaches, everything they went through to get exactly where they are five years from now. Or you can buy their time and get there in 90 days 180 days a year a lot shorter time period than it took them to get there and on top of you not having to spend as much time i would argue here's the funny part you end up spending just as much if not more money anyway and so you're trying to save money on not buying mentorship but after trying to figure it out yourself you still end up spending that much if not more and you spend the time and all the headaches and heartaches and then you're like why the heck am i doing this in the first place <laughs> right so the chances if we were just like to put the percentages side by side of the likelihood of someone to be successful in whatever they try to do both with the mentor and without a mentor the people that succeed with a mentor will be through the roof and so the question for you shouldn't be should i need mentorship or do i need mentorship it should be how do i find the right mentor how do i find someone who truly has a heart for helping me and if you find that person lock arms for life as long as they will have you lock arms with them because it's very hard to find those people
2: yeah i think like you've even completely changed my perspective on that like I didn't really think about reaching out for mentorship i have i mean in the short-term rental world i have sarah as a business partner who's kind of a couple steps ahead of me and so that's kind of been my journey but even now i mean our audience knows that i'm interested in getting into the clothing business eventually and there's this guy who he runs a business that i'm super inspired by i like his business model he's really gotten popular the past couple of years he doesn't even offer mentorship and i'm reaching out to him being like what do I have to pay you to have a little bit of your time? Like, I don't even care what it is. And he doesn't offer any sort of formal course, but I just know that he's doing it the way that I want to do it. So I, he's the person that I want to talk to. And so my mindset's completely different on it. I'm like willing to pay somebody who doesn't even offer mentorship to do it. (laughs) 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 Um,
0: Also, I mean, we have had, like, especially when we were in L.A. at your event, I had so many conversations with people who had purchased mentorship before, not from you, from other people and have had horrible experiences. Right. And so you talk about like, you know, now everybody wants to be a mentor, like the education side or the education wing that a lot of social media influencers or people will have attached to whatever their niche is on their profile. um, It can be good or bad right you're getting people's highlight reel and so you think they may have it figured out x y and z um talk me through when you are looking at other mentorships online how does somebody pick out red flags of mentors that maybe don't have their heart in the right place like what are things for listeners who are looking for mentors what should they look out for as a red flag with some of these people who maybe aren't great mentors (laughs) it's
1: a great question um from the outside there's a few checklist items From the outside looking in, transparency is huge for me. Um, Are they just talking about their wins and screaming that from the rooftop? Or are they actually sharing the process? Because if they're not sharing the process, then they're probably not going through the process, A. Or B, they are not willing to be humble and have humility to admit their faults. And any leader that's not willing to admit that things don't go 100% right all the time, they're going to be very hard as a mentor to coach you. Um, It just creates a very interesting dynamic there. So pay attention to that. Transparency, authenticity is huge. The second thing would be, have they actually accomplished what they're trying to teach you? Which sounds straightforward and you would just assume has always happened, but I would encourage you to dig there and really find out, have you actually done what you're trying to teach me or are you just trying to sell me something because you know it's beneficial to sell? So that would be the second thing that I look out for. The third thing, and this doesn't always... It's not 100% of the time a red flag, but it can be if they've been doing it long enough. The third thing would be, have they helped anybody else to accomplish what they're trying to teach? And so obviously, if they're brand new as a mentor, they're not going to have those stories yet. But if they've been doing this for a while and they have no success stories, red flag. If they've been doing this for a while and there's no one you can point to and be like, go talk to them, they'll gladly vouch for me. uh, That's a huge red flag. That means they probably haven't helped anybody. And even worse, they're trying to hide their people from you so that you don't talk to them. Major, major red flag. Honestly, just that one alone, if they've been in it for long enough, will tell the whole story. If there's no one they can point to, they'll be like, talk to them. Probably haven't helped anybody. Um, so yeah. I would say between those three things, looking for authenticity, authenticity, transparency, have they done it themselves and can they prove it? And then bonus, cherry bonus, bonuses, has, have they helped other people? between those three, you should be able to find good mentors.
0: Yes, that makes so much sense. I mean, we had talked to someone in LA that had purchased a form of mentorship. They weren't even, the person wasn't in LA, the person that they were talking about wasn't in LA. They were talking about a friend who purchased a mentorship with someone. um, And they were they couldn't have access to any previous mentor that went or mentee who went through their program, so on and so forth. And it took you like, I couldn't even get the sentence out. And you were like, red flag. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, like you're so right. You know, like we're still new to this, but it's something that you have watched over and over and over again. And so I just think the mentorship space in general is likely going to continue to get larger as social media continues to be a key player in people's yeah. lives and in people's business. And I'm of the mindset that this is going to be like modern day college, I right? Know. Like you're Like, for me, when you think about business school, right, or you think about even, like, for me, interior design school. When I went to be an interior designer, I was being taught by professors who have never actually been an interior designer, right? They, like, went to school for interior design. They are interior design adjacent to a lot of interior designers, but they've never actually practiced themselves because they became a teacher. And so I'm, like, now looking back on it, I'm, like, what? Like, what? Like, what? Why is college structured that way? Like why is it not a bunch of professors who are like actually in the field that are part-time teaching you how to do the thing? And so to me this feels like it has exponentially higher ROI and also a much higher chance of you seeing success. So in my head I'm thinking like okay, as time goes on as college continues to get more and more expensive and more and more unaffordable and have less and less of an ROI attached to it, all of a sudden, like all these kids who are coming out of high school, it's gonna make more sense for them to have watched people like us on social media for years and years, and then say, look, I'm pretty certain I wanna follow this direction, this is exponentially cheaper than a four-year university, let me go and do these things. And so I think that the conversation around how to pick a good person is gonna get louder as time goes on. 100%,
1: Um, and to piggyback off of that real quick, um, I think it's very important that you come into whatever mentorship you purchase with a plan. I would say some of the horror stories in the mentorship space are because of bad mentors, but some of them are just simply because people got started without a plan for themselves. And so if you even think about it in terms of college, if I go to college and I don't know what I want to major in, I know people that have floated around in college for seven, eight, nine years, spent a ton of money and walked away with nothing yet. Because, and it wasn't because college doesn't offer a degree. It was because they weren't clear on what they wanted out of that experience, right? And so same thing with mentorship. You're not exempt to that here. It's like if you don't have a plan for your life, if you don't know what you want to accomplish, then you could potentially leave a very good program with nothing. But it's not because the program wasn't good. It was because you didn't get clear on what you wanted to get out of it. And so for me, this is even how I've sheltered myself against bad mentorship programs. Because even I've paid... to a program that was designed to get me leads. Like literally this was the only purpose of the program. And I walked away with two leads, literally two leads, 20 K, two leads, all their hard work, everything. And instead of didn't get pissed off, didn't charge back, thank them for their time. But what I did was I was like, okay, they were trying to accomplish something here. They didn't successfully accomplish it how can I fill in the blanks about what they were trying to do for me? And we successfully did that in the next month, we did six figures for the month, just with their strategy that they were trying to do that we paid 20k for, but they only got got us two leads. And so for me, sometimes life you are everybody's heard the saying, make lemonade out of lemons. Like sometimes it's truly that sometimes you're not going to get everything you need. But if you have a plan, like we had a plan for our business, we were able to take what they gave us and like, make it sweet, make lemonade on of lemons. And so pay attention to that as well. Sometimes having a plan for your life and being intentional about what you're going into something for can shield you from having a bad experience.
2: Yeah. One thing that I think is yes. a little unique about the way that you kind of helped us build out our program and build out a few other people's programs is we're all very plugged into these, right? Like there's a lot of value in the coaching programs where it's pretty much all filmed and, the person who's creating the program is pretty much completely detached after you film it. But you put a lot of emphasis on us being plugged in and making sure that we are face to face during the calls and that we do live calls. And eventually it could look like a hybrid model just because of time and things like that. But can you talk about why you put so much emphasis on that instead of just having everybody record their course, put it out and try to make money that way?
1: Yeah. You guys have probably seen, you've now done, what, three groups, separate groups of people together. Um, I would imagine that all three of your groups have been totally different, right? Like, have you guys had one group that was like, oh, they're exactly the same, like same needs, (laughs) same everything?
0: (laughs) No, it's a different experience every time.
1: Right, exactly. So if you create a cookie cutter model then you're gonna have some people that succeed, whoever resonates with it, but there's gonna be a large group of people that don't resonate with it and get nothing out of it. And so going back to putting the individual first and putting the human on the other side first, I think that ethically, I can't just send you a cookie cutter model and hope that you have success and that be it. Um, There is a place for courses. Obviously some people can't afford to do higher level coaching and that's cool. Something is better than nothing, But when they do the success rate of people that get just pre-recorded programs versus people that actually have human touch and can ask their questions, they can get different perspective. The success rate is drastically different. I don't have the exact numbers, but if I remember properly when they did the study, it was like in the 50 percentile, meaning like 50 percent better results for people that actually have hands-on help. Um, so I think that that's very important because everybody's different. Everyone's needs are different. Everyone's learning style is different. Some people can sit there and just watch a video. Some people need to be interactive and hands-on. And so there's just so many factors about why being in the trenches with your people makes a huge difference for them.
0: Yeah. And because we're watching those.
1: Stuff.
0: Yeah. And we're watching those results play out now, right? Like we launched the first round of mentorship this year in, March, beginning of March. And from that first, those first two rounds of mentorship, like so many people in the class have already purchased, renovated, and now listed their Airbnbs. Like Federico is sitting in an Airbnb of one of our mentees that just got finished today. And he's texting us and he's like, Sarah, this is incredible. Like they knocked it out of the park. And so for us, even now, it's like, you know, a huge concern that we had was like, okay, are we going to get in a room maybe of people who don't have the capability of putting wheels behind this thing? Like, are we not going to see the results from our mentorship to have those testimonials for two, three, four years? Because we don't know where people are starting, right? We don't know if they are they have the cash to actually go and deploy it into a, a short-term rental. And so now to see how fast the results have been and how like the people who have joined it are ready to take action, it's like, We needed people who were clear on the end result that they were looking for. And we were so specific on what we were teaching that finding that alignment, it's like they're getting results so much faster than I ever thought possible. Like we're watching moms not have to go back to work because now they've got a and b that's replacing their income. Like, it's so good. It's so amazing. So I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm obsessed with this model. I'm obsessed with continuing to do it. So I just think that it's like, the best thing since sliced bread. It's so much better than college. It's so much better than any other form of education that we have like come across thus far.
1: (laughs) And that's why you do it. At the end of the day, you do it to see exactly that. Like then it all makes sense. Then it's all like, okay, this was worth it 100%. So I'm excited that those are starting to come across the table for you guys with students having success. But I will say this, and I debated for a while whether I wanted to say this on the record or not. And I came to the conclusion that whenever I played basketball, we were a championship team because we were 100 percent real. There was no ego attached. And if someone was better, it wasn't like, crap, why are they better than me? It was like, let me strive to do the things that they do so that I can get better, too. And so I debated whether I wanted to say how amazing you guys are. But let me just say this. of Everybody that I've had up to this point, this could change. Um, You guys are top two and you're not two. When it comes to coaching space and like how you guys do what you do right now, you are the best students that I've seen do this. And if any of my other students are listening, once again, that championship mentality doesn't mean you can't get there, doesn't mean you can't improve and maybe even one day pass. But as of right now, if you want a model for like what it should look like to run a coaching program and run your social media and run everything else. I think that the Carwells are the golden standard.
0: Oh, don't (laughs) make me cry. (laughs) I appreciate that so much. But and I mean, you know that Emily and I were not expecting to love this as much as we did. Like we we love short term rentals like to our core. I'm like, I'm never leaving this industry. I love it so much. It checks every single box for me. And it's completely flipped our lives upside down, of course. But this side of things, to watch it give back and watch, like, the thing that we've built be able to be replicated by so many people, you know, it's just it's so much more powerful. So, you know, this has been this has been such a good year, arguably the best year of business that we have ever had. And so it's just such so much credit goes
2: back to you on that as well. But we appreciate the compliment. (laughs) And we're just getting started. You guys know that I was like, (laughs) not. I'm, I did not think I was going to like teaching. I get really nervous talking to groups, and I leave these sessions feeling so motivated and so much more excited, and I feel more confident with every single one that I teach. And I'm just not that personality like Sarah is that likes to talk a lot, but I love having these sessions. And also, you said up until this point, and you know that that just lit a fire under Sarah's ass to be the favorite forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <That> <laughs> mentorship calls you're right like the in-person portion of it like i know that some people want to make it an evergreen model and that maybe fits better into their business but even last night we had our mentorship call and it's like you know we joke on these calls like it's only going to be an hour but sarah's gonna make it two hours and last night we started at seven and we were still talking literally yeah we went two and a
2: half hours (laughs) last night and i was like dang (laughs) but i didn't like I didn't even notice that we went two and a half hours. I knew that we were quickly approaching two hours when we kind of started like closing things out. And then we all just kind of started talking and I was like, okay, we didn't even want to get off the call at that point. So, you know, we love it then. Yeah.
1: Well, that's yeah, how you we live- valuable. when they keep going and the students still want to be there and they're not hopping off early, that's when you know you got something good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been amazing. We're excited for the graduation, too. I mean, watching everybody, you know, it's like even right now we have a realtor in the class and the realtor is like stirring up so much business from the people who are purchasing properties in Michigan. And it just creates this really ni- nice ecosystem where like obviously people are in that room to learn and replicate what we've done for the last four years, but they don't even expect and we didn't expect the amount of value that would come from the other people in the room that you would meet. Um, So it's just all the way around uh, insane, (laughs) insane. My brain can't handle how much my mindset has shifted this year around this topic specifically, so. I know that we have one, I think one more question, and if you want to ask
2: it as we kind of yes. wrap up. So here. obviously we talked about like your business evolving over the years. And now that you're focusing a lot on short-term rentals, you're looking at personally investing and you are investing in short-term rentals this year. So can you talk about that process, where you decided to go and like why you decided to actually invest in short-term rentals?
1: Yeah. So we're looking at doing our first short-term rental uh, process wise. I come from every type of real estate I've done prior to short-term rentals. I've tried to get creative financing when I can. Uh, So I've done a good bit of owner financing. I've done a few wholesale deals, things like that. So with this property specifically, we originally looked at going the owner financing route, Um, but because of a lot of different factors, like this guy that we're getting the property from, he wants to buy another piece of land and he didn't want two properties on his, Like he didn't want to be accountable for two properties because they wouldn't lend him the money that he needed for the other piece of land that he wanted and so for that reason we pivoted to the subject to model and so we're taking that property over subject to the mortgage Uh, we're looking at doing it in alamosa colorado so for those of you that don't know that area it's like where all the texans go to vacation in colorado so it's not quite like aspen vale anything like that. But as soon as you drive out of Texas, you're in New Mexico for like two seconds, and then you're right there in South Colorado. So it's still very beautiful. There's the sand dunes that are there, um, National Park, which is amazing. If you haven't been there, you got to go check it out, maybe stay on our property. Um, (laughs) But uh, that's the area that we're looking at doing it in. And then we wanted to create an experience along with what we're doing. So we have a two-bedroom, two-bathroom cabin that's on, I think, Forty, right around forty acres of land, so we got a lot of land to play with. But my wife's uh, uncle, he owns a Clydesdale farm. Which, for those of you that don't know, Clydesdales are like the Budweiser horses. They're the big horses, humongous. They have like the feathers on their hooves. They're like like beautiful creatures. And we plan on doing a few experiences around the Clydesdales where you can like ride in carriage, like Winter Wonderland style, where you can go pet the Clydesdales, feed the Clydesdales, like. He even has cows and other stuff, but they're not as cool as Clydesdale. So we're just gonna make it about the Clydesdales. You can have a whole experience meeting the Clydesdales. And we really were uh, adamant about having that experience with our property. I think from talking to you guys and a lot of the other experts in the industry, that's where the short-term rental world is going. And you have to have that experience to separate you. Now you don't have to have Clydesdales, but like for us, we're extra with everything that we do. So I was like, I want Clydesdales. Um, so that's what we're looking at doing with our first property in Alamosa mm-hmm.
2: You it. being extra? No, you're never extra, John. <laughs> <laughs> I learned from Sarah. You guys, you, you guys feed <laughs> off of each <laughs> other for sure. We do. We do a hundred percent
1: feed off of the
0: look i just i always i say this to cassidy as well another guy in the background that i kind of work closely with and everyone that i work closely with i'm like look and we're gonna do it we have to do it big and there are people who are doing it bigger why not us why not also us like we get to create the brand. We get to hold the reins on this thing. Like we might as well be bougie. We might as well be extra. We might as well be top of the uh, hill.
1: <laughs> I agree. And then Sarah does it at one level. Then I'm like, I have to do it one level above. And then we just keep trading back and forth. And it's like, <laughs> before you know, it, we're going to be doing some real crazy stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know what Ethan suggested. And now our mentees know this, but we're doing helicopters for our next uh, graduation event. And it was like, You know, we had done a yacht for the first one and the second one, it's like winter and well, not some winter, but it's end of fall in Michigan. And like, what are we going to do to top a yacht? All these things. Ethan's like helicopters. And Emily's like, that's crazy. Like literally, no. (laughs) and then Ethan like digs a little bit further and he's like, but it's feasible. (laughs) And now here we are doing helicopters. And I'm like, that's the standard I want. Like, I just, I want it to be extravagant. I want it to be memorable. I want to stick out. You know, I want it to be like one of one. So I mean, just another reason why we aligned with you when I met you in St. Petersburg earlier this year. I was like,
1: oh, Absolutely.
0: not only is he a good human, but we vibe, right? We've got a similar uh, a mindset around our businesses. I can so. make
1: a lot of promises, but I can promise it won't be boring. I think we can both do that. <laughs> It'll never be boring. I can promise you that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. For our listeners who maybe don't follow you yet, where can they find you?
1: Yep, I'm at The Athletic CEO, um, and I think there's probably two people that are listening to this. One, you should hit the Carwells up after hearing this about their mentorship program, at least have that conversation. My big saying is, if you like it, I love it, and if you hate it, then I hate it for you. You will hear that at the end of the call, but there's absolutely no pressure. And then (laughs) the second person on here are probably peers of the Carwells, and you might have been thinking about starting a mentorship program. If that's you, then DM me catching up with Carwell, so I know you came from this podcast, and I got something special for you.
0: Ooh, I love it! A little <laughs> plug for our listeners.
2: <laughs> um,
0: well, thank you so much for uh, coming on and talking through mentorship in general. I mean, look, we we're so sold on it. But if you're listening to this podcast and you are stuck in a situation where you are looking for a mentor, whether that be John or Emily and I or anyone else for the love of God, learn from our mistake of not hiring a mentor for the first three years and go find one. It's honestly been the most pivotal investment that we have made so far in our business. So we appreciate you, appreciate you shifting our mindset on mentorship over this year. Um, Emily, why don't you go ahead and wrap it up and tell people where they can find us? As always,
2: you guys know we are at the Carwells on literally everything. And then our website is thecarwells.space where you can add yourself to the wait list for our next launch, if you want. Yes, coming January 2024.
0: Wow, wrapping up 2023. It's been a hell of a year. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thank you again, John. And thank you, listeners, for getting through another episode with us. We will catch you next time.